Please bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth, find wisdom. And in your will, discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ is risen. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Blue Lake Presbyterian Church. And thank you all for coming this morning on this uh, nice Easter Sunday. The title to today's message is Risen for You. Well, the other day, I heard a story of this lady who surprised a burglar who had broken into her house in the middle of the night. Well, she happened to be standing in her kitchen. She was home alone. She didn't have a weapon. So she thought by herself, what should I do? So at one point, she thought, maybe I'd just say a scripture verse. So she shouted, Acts 2.38. And at that very moment, there's burglar suddenly froze, completely stopped in his tracks. By now, the police arrived. And the police was completely amazed that this woman, with no weapon, was able to stop the burglar. So they asked the burglar, what was it about that scripture verse that had such a profound effect on you? The burglar said, scripture verse? What scripture verse? I heard her say she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> Speaking of axe, the message this morning is based on Acts 10, verses 34 to 43. And you may ask, why a message on, on Acts on Easter Sunday? Why don't you pick one of the Gospels readings? And the answer for that is very simple. The Lord, in the last two weeks, put Acts on my mind. So there you have it. <laughs> but let me start with a question. What do the what does the Empire Strikes Back, Home Alone, Lost in New York, The Pink Panther Returns, Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Star Trek Beyond, what do all those movies have in common? Any guesses? They're the sequels. Very good, Art. Indeed, they are the sequels. Two very familiar movies. To movies that were very popular in their own right. Now, there are sequels in the Bible as well. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament is essentially a history book full of a series of sequels. For instance, the book of Joshua is a sequel to Deuteronomy, the story of the Israelites spending 40 years in the wilderness. But in the New Testament, the ultimate sequel is the book of Acts. It's written by Luke, following the Gospel of Luke. 
And it describes the development of the early church. Now, author Malcolm Gladwell, after his bestseller, The Tipping Point, wrote a sequel titled Blink. Blink is a fascinating book, redefining the way we think. Likewise, the book of Acts redefines the premise that the God of Israel, of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, is also the God of the whole entire world through his son, Jesus Christ. It is a heavenly blessing that is available to you and to me, to all of us who believe. But today's scripture reading had a profound effect on history. It ultimately became the impetus that brought us all here this morning, on Easter morning. On this beautiful Easter morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Earlier, Milt read the resurrection story from the Gospel of Luke. And in the first three verses, it sets the stage. But on that first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. All four Gospels describe the resurrection. John's Gospel is the most detailed in in recounting the turn of events on that particular morning. On the other end, Luke, who wrote the longest Gospel in all of the New Testament, with parables and miracles, counting over 19,000 words, he was actually relatively brief and concise in the Eastern narrative, using only 242 words, shorter than any of the other three Gospels. But it is in his sequel, the book of Acts, that the resurrection story continues. In Acts 1, Luke provides an extended version of the ascension, which becomes the framework of the book describing a ministry that started in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the world. Then in Acts 10, Luke touches on the resurrection in a very profound way, which provides relevance to each and every one of us as we sit here today. And this is what risen for you And for me, for all of us, comes into the picture. Earlier, God had prompted Cornelius in a vision to reach out to Peter, who at the time was living in Joppa, just north of present-day Tel Aviv. Cornelius sent a few men to Peter with a message that he wanted to meet him at his house in Caesarea. Caesarea being about 50 miles up the coast uh, on the west coast of Israel. 
When Peter arrived, Cornelius gathered a group of friends and family to hear what Peter had to say. In this passage, Peter gives a speech to this group of Gentiles, non-Jews. And this speech is what ultimately took Easter, the Easter story, to the whole entire world. Now, this speech can be found in Acts 10, verses 34 through 48, and you can find it on page 129 of your pew Bible, in, in the later half of that Bible, and I'll give you a moment to look it up as we go through the reading. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spreads through Judea, beginning in Galilee, Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So in this first chapter of Acts, Luke writes, after the crucifixion, Jesus was showed and was alive again, using many indisputable proofs. He showed himself to Mary Magdalene at the tomb, and shortly thereafter to the other women who were returning from the tomb. He showed himself to Peter and to John and to two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then to the other disciples. Several days later, he appeared to Thomas. And he even allowed Thomas to touch his wounds. The Bible tells us in John 21.1 that he appeared to seven disciples in the north part of Israel at the Sea of Galilee. Then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15.6 about an eyewitness report of an appearance of Jesus to over 500 people at one time. All of his disciples were present at the ascension at the Mount of Olives. 
But Peter's speech in Acts 10 has significance of unlimited proportions. It took the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to the whole entire world. It was a message for all, for you and for me. In verse 41, Peter says, Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as eyewitnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Well, Jesus had predicted this in John 14, 19, in which he said, In a little, in a little while, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. And then in John 14, 21, Jesus had foretold, He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest himself to him. So after the resurrection, Jesus did manifest himself to those who believed. To the disciples he had chosen. He chose himself openly. But he does to us as well. As long as we believe. Peter, in his speech, provided a culmination of thousand years of predictions by the prophets. That salvation is found in the name of Jesus. And in verse 43 he said, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receive forgiveness of sins through his name. In this passage, Peter underscores that Jesus was risen for all. Risen for you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, and no matter what you have done in the past. Last month, I gave a message titled, Letting Go. Before the sermon, we played the song of Louis Armstrong, Let My People Go. Now, for days afterwards, that song just kept playing in my head. I just couldn't get it out. Then, a few days later, I took my daughter Sarah to Israel, visiting some flower farms and seeing some sites in Israel, seeing some of the historic sites. After arriving at the Ben Gurion Airport, after a 14 hour flight from San Francisco, we took an Uber to our hotel in Tel Aviv. The driver had his dial, his car radio dial, listening to 50s and 60s songs. Lo and behold, 10 minutes into the right, Louis Armstrong comes on singing, Let My People Go. This whole car ride is only 25 minutes. Coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. Then the next morning, we went on a tour to northern Israel, to Nazareth, and to the Sea of Galilee, in Capernaum. But before we took off, the tour guide introduced himself as Ami. He explained, my parents gave me 
my name based on a Jewish saying, saying, Shalak na et ami. Hebrew for the words Moses spoke, meaning, let my people go. At this point, I'm starting to get some goosebumps. <laughs> Wondering what is going to be next in this amazing country of Israel. Well, the highlight came a few days later in Jerusalem at the tomb, which I will touch on in a moment. Ami was a wonderful tour guide. The trip was filled with references to Jesus, where he lived, what he did. We visited Nazareth, the hometown of Mary and Joseph. We visited the Church of the Immaculate Conception. Then we went to the town of Cana, where Jesus performed his first miracle, turning water into wine. Then down to the shores of the Sea of Galilee. We stopped in Capernaum. And as a result of excavations, many of the walls of those houses that were once there have been recovered, including the house of Peter and the synagogue where Jesus taught and preached, as you can find in Luke 4.31. Now, Ami said a few things that provoked my curiosity. In Nazareth, at a statue of Joseph, he, he said, Joseph is the most important person because he is the one who incited the principles of life and good living to his son Jesus. And then on one occasion, while our tour group was in Capernaum, we stopped at the statue of Peter. And Ami said, Peter took over after Jesus was killed. Okay? Then... I started remembering that in Judaism, Jesus was considered a teacher and a prophet, and that he died on the cross. But to the Jewish people, they consider that the end of the story, as you can read in Matthew 28, 15. But when we stood inside those ruins of that synagogue in Capernaum, our tour guide said, this spot right here is the most important historical site in the life of Jesus. This is where he shared his principles and the way of living to the folks in Capernaum. Well, the group of, of 19 of us all kind of stood around our tour guide as he was making this proclamation. And at one point, I could no longer bite my lip. So I asked, but how can this be the most important historical site? Isn't the tomb in Jerusalem, where the resurrection took place, the most important historical site? I said, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we wouldn't be standing here right now. There wouldn't be 50 tour buses with tourists visiting if it wasn't for the resurrection. Well, then it got quiet for a moment. <laughs> As some in the tour group were nodding. But then a few days later, 
on March 31st, on a Sunday, March 31st, we went to Jerusalem. We visited the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, originally constructed in 326 AD. It was built over the tomb where Jesus was buried for three days. Therefore, the location of the resurrection. This church is shared by different denominations, including the Greek Orthodox, the Roman Catholic, and a number of other churches. Well, we happened to be there right at 11 o'clock in the morning. And at that exact time, a Greek Orthodox procession started circling the site of the tomb. And at the very same time, the Roman Catholic Church that happened to be only yards away was holding a mess, a mass. There's the organ playing. And, and I must say, this was an unbelievably moving experience. Standing there with thousands of believers of all different denominations in that same location where it all happened on that Sunday morning less than 2,000 years ago. Peter had said in his speech in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. On August 16, 1987, Northwest Flight 255 crashed after taking off from the Detroit airport. 154 people died. But there was one survivor. A four-year-old girl called Cecilia from Tempe, Arizona. Rescue, the rescuers found her in the wreckage. And it is believed that the mother unbuckled her own seat, sat on her knees, and wrapped herself around the little girl. She separated her from the impact of the crash. And her daughter survived. God did the same for us. He wraps himself around us. As Jesus took the full force of our fall. Jesus took our punishment at the cross. The cross became the bridge through Jesus Christ over which we can walk to God, to the kingdom of heaven. When a fire swept through the Laguna Canyon, in 1993, one of the properties that was destroyed was the Hortense Miller Botanical Garden, containing more than 2,000 varieties of plants and flowers. <coughs> the place had been like a paradise of beautiful flowers and greenery. But the, flower, the fire had blackened the hillside. It left its ugly scars. People call it a total loss, a complete disaster. And it was. 
But just five months later, the hills were alive with the beauty of wildflowers, which had not been seen in the area for 30 to 100 years. These wildflower seeds had laid there dormant and not being able to flourish because of all the other vegetation. Sometimes a seemingly disastrous situation could create the right opportunities for great things to develop. So it is with our faith. The seeds may lay dormant on our hearts for years until the opportunity of the gospel takes a hold of our hearts. That opportunity may be here today. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus offered to everyone, to you and to me, the possibility of eternal life, a free gift to all. Will we let those seeds of faith that may have been dormant for a while germinate in our hearts? Friends, let the good news of the Easter story fill our hearts, enrich our souls. Let our cups be filled with the grace and glory of God. Thine is the glory, risen, conquering Son. Believe and the light will shine. Happy Easter to all. God bless you. Amen.